Hello, this is the Straight Dope Podcast coming to you from one of my recovery walks. Uh, for those of you who didn't know, I had had some screws and bolts put into my spine and I've been unable to shoot for many months. Just started shooting again lately and working on video projects with Frank, some podcast projects. And I'm going to use the straight dope to go back to some of the roots of shorter podcasts with specific thoughts that might break from hard and factual numbers to be how I visualize stuff. Cause I think that as a visual person, uh, I'm a numbers guy, but I also like to bridge the gap between the numbers and the science to the practical application. Sometimes when you think about things too, accurately you lose the speed you lose the ability to translate stuff on the fly in a realistic sense and so i'm gonna try to describe kind of how i how i do that why i do that not because i don't think it's good to understand and have accurate data that guides those visualizations but that um ultimately we're trying to get performance and and we're not trying to all become ballisticians or physicists or engineers some of us are and in that case these things might not help right but you know I, I do think that it helps to think about things on multiple levels as often as possible when it comes to performance and application and you don't want it to be guided by things that are false but performance i mean i think that that ultimately what we want to be able to do is repeatedly and credibly impact things the way that we intend on doing that. And so that speaks for itself, right? Um, one of the things that I was visualizing the other day on one of these walks uh, was uh, bullets responding to the wind. And again, I'm not a, I'm not a physicist. A um, couple of my family members are physics professors, but but I'm not. And I, and I know that, uh, you know, that that's just not the way I operate, but I still think about drag and vectors and forces and, and numbers. Um, but I'm, I'm visual. So some of the way that I see the wind in my mind or the way I feel it when I'm out, um, it breaks from the science that I've read and studied a little bit. And so I, I'm, I'm just want to talk about, you know, why, why, understanding that the way you visualize it might not be accurate but if it helps you perform that that might be okay so let's start first with you know why why am i bringing this up well one you know when we when i started the podcast there were shorter episodes and they were specifically tailored towards my thoughts and feelings and pulling in sources and resources and and, and I'd, I'd like to get back to that like you know what's curious for me and where am i going and how am I, you know, as now that I'm going to be scaling back into shooting, one of the elements that you need to always brush up on and be quick with is the wind. Frank and I recently had a discussion and I pointed out that the way that we think about things has an Im influence on the way that we act. And uh, that I thought that too much discussion on what did the reticle do? The reticle, the reticle, like the, my reticle went up a mill. My, my reticle went right a mill. My reticle went down a mill. Um, I think that's good because it gets you paying attention to what's the reticle doing. But by doing that, 
you need to remind yourself or think also that's what your rifle is doing, right? And it's responding to forces where there's more or less support. It's also what the, where the bullet's pointing. So instead of just thinking, well, it's my reticle, what do I do? Ask yourself, well, instead of saying my reticle moved up a mill, what does that mean? Say my rifle moved up a mill or now my bullet's pointing up a mill and or if it moved up, there was less support from above or there was more contact and force from below in those transfers of energy. So take that visualization of the reticle and take it a step or two forward or backward or left or right and relate it to other things that are also true. If your reticle went up, so did your rifle. If your rifle went up, there was less support in the back below it um, or maybe too much force in the front below it pushing upward and, and start asking those questions that go a step further or that look at it a different way or use different language. Because if we're only asking reticle, 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 sometimes, um, you know, you could be thinking about things in a way that prevents you from making that next step. And all it changes is a, is a change of language. And all of a sudden your ideas change your perspective change and you get those aha moments. I think, I think that that's really important. Now, why did I say that with the wind? Well, a lot of times, you know, you make a good wind call and you shoot and you're waiting for the feedback uh, in, in one form or another, whether that was correct or accurate. You know what I mean? So we went out to the range the other day and the winds were going from seven to 15, seven to 16, miles an hour up and down up and down up and down in in the force of the wind right the velocity of the wind was going up and down while simultaneously it was going from you know i forget exactly what it was 730 to 11 so that's a huge swing left and right and it's a huge swing in velocity up and down and 30 minutes after i pulled out my kestrel and did the environmental updates we were talking hanging out i took my first shot and i kind of based it on that wind call that I made 30 minutes prior and, um, and I missed, I missed that shot. And, and, and I thought, okay, well, if you explained it with numbers, where I hit was within, you know, it, it wasn't a terrible wind call. It just wasn't good enough to actually impact the target, which was uh, six tenths wide and you're aiming center, but it was four tenths from center. So it was a 10th off the right. And um, it was, I didn't hold enough wind. And had I been paying more attention to what was happening, um, you know, chances are, traditionally speaking, I can make wind calls uh, that, that could fall into that. So how am I thinking about wind? Well, I think that, that a lot of people start off, and this is an assumption, but when I just start thinking, okay, the wind's let's, I, whenever I imagine the wind at first, I imagine it blowing right to left. And I, I imagine that that's a crutch that I'll have to start thinking about it left to right. But for now, when I think of wind and when I describe it, I usually default to right to left wind. And so I'm imagining the wind and it's blowing right to left. It makes sense that in our life experience, when the wind is blowing from the right to the left, the wind moves stuff. If you throw a piece of paper out there, it blows the piece of paper downwind. If you jump in a stream and the stream is flowing downstream, things drift downstream. 
and so imagining a bullet being blown um, seems natural, but when when you start looking into the science behind it, apparently, you know that that's not the effect that's taking place. W- what's happening is is much more complicated. Does that help you shoot better? Maybe it definitely helps ballistic calculators make accurate calculations. And I think that that's very important. And we need to understand how our ballistic calculators or our kestrels are working. If the wind's blowing right to left, thinking of the wind blowing it could be, could be fine. Cause you're thinking, you know, here's a, seven mile an hour wind or six mile an hour wind going right to left, you know, you're going to have to compensate by holding into the wind. The fact that the bullet, the nose is influenced by the, the forces, the, 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 the stuff that it's going through and the wind's coming right to left. It, it turns a little bit into the wind and the drag is in line. At least the way I understand it, the drag is in line with the bullet itself and so that drag is now aimed to the left and the bullet's hauling ass forward towards your target. But there's a slight drag now, you know, in line with the base of the bullet to the left. And that drag as it's going forward is kind of moving it to the left. I kind of think about it like pulling a long trailer. And if that trailer swings to the left, your car kind of gets pulled leftward, even though you're still going down the road the way um, you know, you're trying to go down a road straight, but you can feel that trailer now if the wind pushes on it or there's a force that drags it to the left. Or a water skier, you know, pulling the boat and the water skier goes hard left or hard right and it pulls, you know, there's drag and that drag is directional and, and it can kind of it can throw it can throw that boat or the car with a trailer a little bit off course. And when you think about a, a bullet, like it's, it's hauling ass, right? Let, like uh, we're going, let's say, you know, most of you probably shoot, you know, 105 around 2,800 feet per second. Well, 2,800 feet per second is hauling ass in a particular direction. And, and um, just under seven miles an hour, I think is like, um, 10 feet per second. So you got a bullet going 2,800 feet per second and you have like a almost seven mile an hour wind going 10 feet per second. That, that's one 280th of the, of the forces coming ahead of it. So it's not much, but so, so it kind of yaws into the wind a little bit or, or turns into the wind and there's a little bit of a leftwardly drag and the bullet's actually drugged to the left. Does that, does that help you make a better wind call? I don't know. But knowing that might allow you to take it a step further and come up with a cool trick. So I like the idea of saying, well, this is the way we think about it. It's not the wind blowing the bullet. Rather, it's the base of the bullet, which way it's facing. There's, there's an increased drag. There's other forces on it. But, you know, if you're going to miss a target, you're probably going to miss it. If somebody gives you a range, you're going to miss it because of wind, right? Or you're going posi- to miss it because the shooter is the primary source of error, whether that's wind call or fundamental errors that you make. And, and, and I'm more obsessed with the shooter and the, and the, the influence the shooter has on the system. But, it, but wind is one of those things that the shooter has to be able to see 
adjust for and understand how to make those corrections. And if you're also thinking about how am I holding the rifle and how is my position and how is this, the cognitive overload goes through the roof. And I think that you're going to default back to the gross motor actions first and then the higher cognitive functions uh, come after that. And I don't think that we can have high cognitive capabilities if our gross motor systems are overwhelmed. And so to make a short story super long, when you're, when you're thinking, what's the reticle doing? When you're thinking, oh, in kneeling, I have to stand this way. I have to stand this way. I have to contact the rifle this way. Those are gross motor things that are kind of overwhelming your cognitive capability and the higher things like what's the wind speed? Am I watching Mirage? Am I doing all this stuff? I don't think you're able to perform those as well. And you can see that in a variety of situations when um, physical and emotional stress come in that our thinking capabilities drop off, sometimes disappear entirely. And we default to a less cognitive state. The more relaxed we are, the, the less brain power we have to put towards making those kinds of decisions and they become reflexive, the more we're able to think and adjust. And so that's why I'm, I'm, I'm saying like, well, if we think too hard about the science, we won't be able to perform the way that we expect to perform. And my guess is that we could also demonstrate, test and quantify that as overload, but how would you train it? Right? So big deal. Well, the big deal is first, you, you kind of want to push the cognitive part so you understand things better because that could open up the way that you think. You don't want to be stressed when you do it. And then you want to train the physical component so that those become easier and easier to perform, therefore kind of providing you with more bandwidth, right? More decision-making, accurate decision-making, and accurate visualization. And our visual system requires a lot of en energy it requires a lot of um things that that you could overwhelm it with by by developing that tunnel vision the lack of peripheral vision i think is what is um you know if you because if, if, we're i guess the way i think of us is or at least the way my eyes respond to some of this stuff is that if i'm if I'm stressed and really focused on something stressful, I'm focused on particular things and I, I lose my peripheral vision or at least the consciousness of that peripheral vision. Obviously, the light's still coming in peripherally. I'm less aware of what's going on in my peripheral vision. And if I maintain my peripheral vision, I'm usually pretty relaxed. And so, like, let's say I'm rock climbing and it's dangerous. I'm usually focused on where are my feet and where are my hands and um, you know, where are my fingers and what's the next thing that I need to do. But if I'm super stressed, sometimes I forget what the next thing I need to do. I'm super worried about just my hands and feet because I might fall. I've lost that peripheral vision. The peripheral vision is really important to figure out where you're going to grab next and what's going to go on. So how does this relate back to shooting? Well, wind calls have a high demand on us and that demand can span from just, just making a correction and knowing what to do to actually having to make calculations on the clock. And so if you've got, uh, if you shoot a style of shooting that you get a cider and you see where that cider was, and then you just respond accordingly, that's probably less cognitively demanding, 
right? Another one up would be if you have wind columns that you prepared in advance, you see where one of the wind columns is and you follow that down, probably less cognitively demanding. Nevertheless, you have to be able to see that. So you have to be able to perform things and have the stress level low enough where your reticle doesn't distract you, where your sight picture doesn't distract you. And that, that here, here we go back to, well, what are you thinking? Are you thinking reticle? Are you thinking target? Are you thinking bullet gun? Are you thinking I'm, I'm, or are you not thinking at all? And you're simply focused on trying to get that feedback so that you could make the best decision possible on something else. You're not even thinking about the reticle, the rifle, the position. Those, those things really matter. How we train up for those really matters. But in the field, if you're, if you're, if you're making a decision and time you're on the clock, right. Whether it's literally or, or figuratively, if you're going to take a shot at, on a hunt uh, for work, you, you know, time is always limited. You, you, you may not even know what the time hack is, but you understand that everything is constantly changing. So trying to take that input from visual, sensory, mechanical, digital inputs and trying to make a decision requires that you're not physically and emotionally stressed beyond your ability to make those computations and how you think about it can influence the stress you know some some people my guess is it comes around tax season and they get really stressed and they stop thinking straight about things because they don't want to deal with taxes and numbers and, or, and paperwork and receipts and all the garbage you know some people love it they get super psyched they're probably accountants um and uh and and so how you think about these things is going to influence your ability to do the work efficiently, appropriately, and accurately. I think that that applies back to our shooting. So um, I'm going to stop this one here just for the time's sake of just saying, like, think about the things that you think about. Think about the goals that you have and what are alternatives to the perspectives that you use to see and answer your questions that if you change that a little bit, would it cost you or could you open up your peripheral vision and be able to make more forward progress? To me, thinking about the wind moving right to left is cool. For me, thinking about the bullet kind of slightly yawing and the drag coming back, I think it's fascinating. Um, I think that it opens my eyes for longer shots like ELR. I think that uh, thinking about the bullet slowing down over the over the distance that it goes in, thinking about the drag, the decrease, the the rate of decrease, and the fact that that the rate of decrease, given you know everything is it's equal, the heavier bullet is going to continue moving at a higher velocity than the lighter bullet. While simultaneously, the gravity is pulling on both of them the same. I think that thinking about things like that can sometimes just create moments where you think, okay, I'm going to start thinking about it this way, and you become more efficient. And you're teaching yourself that it's important to think about whatever it is. And, and I think that the more you do stuff, the faster and easier it gets. And so you want to do the physical mechanical um, motor actions simultaneously with the cognitive functions and making sure that you're making those accurately 
and, 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 and stuff like that. But I think that at some point you have to let go of some of the accuracy for, I guess, you know, what R Ryan Kleckner calls acceptable accuracy. For, and what I mean by that is let's think about the wind and how the force of the wind changes with the angle that it's coming in. And I guess I'm going to stop this now and I'm just going to pick it right back up, cut it into a second podcast and um, pick it up from there. So this is the end of this episode of the straight dope uh, perspectives or, or whatever you want to call it. And um, I'm going to jump in to the next one uh, now, except that for you guys, it's going to be, another episode and I might fill in details for my subcast for subscribers with, with a couple more details to you. So anyway, peace. Thanks for listening. And, um, I, because this is short, I have to rework kind of talking about sponsors, milehighshooting.com, cobaltkinetics.com, Utah air guns, check out snipers hide, go follow snipers hide TV. Just go to the website. You don't have to go through all the forms and stuff. Look for, Snipers Hide TV, follow it, and you'll get alerts when we go live. We're going to be going live a lot from the range and from Frank's studio. And, of course, the Straight Dope Podcast, if you want to support this, become a subscriber, and you get another podcast that'll have more detailed stuff and um, other things. Anyway, thanks for listening.